Wednesday edition of Smith and Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. On a very windy day, at least in southern Ontario, so batten down the hatches and uh, stay safe out there. If you're uh, driving around, walking around, make sure you don't get hit by any flying debris. And I say that half joking, half serious, as I was just dealing with a fence that is partially coming apart and flapping in the wind, and I'm hoping it's still standing when the show ends. So um, if I have to run out in a commercial break to uh, to deal with fence posts flying into my back door or something, I'll let you know when who's, Joseph who's, uh, take over solo. <laughs> is, it, is it Lance working the music today? Maybe he should dig up Elton John. I'm still standing. <laughs> I hope it's still standing, because I'll tell you this. I am, and I've, I think I've said it on the air many times over the years, Jonesy, I am, like, whoever out there thinks they're less handy than me, trust me, you are not. I am the least handy guy in the world. I mean, I can barely hang a picture straight. It is a chore and a challenge for me to put a nail or a screw into the wall. And if it's a screw, oh, my gosh, God forbid if I've got to put, like, one of those. I I don't even know what it's called. A plug, plug right? thank you. See, yeah. I don't even know what it's called. I am the least handy guy in the world. Something breaks, if I can't duct tape it, it ain't getting fixed. So glue? Or can you can you could you glue? Uh, you can glue, right? Like well, in grade three or four, you were good with a glue stick, right? Yeah, I was okay with a glue stick. I'd prefer like they didn't one have glue, glue guns, sticks. but I guarantee I'd I'd burn myself with a glue gun, like for sure. No, they didn't have so. them in my day. We had we had that white that white glue that like when you got it on your fingers, you could peel it off and like yes. that's that's what, yes. yeah. But I will say. I was not handy in when we when we used to get uh, uh, family studies, as they call it, right? You'd get uh, you get to go in and cook something. I'd burn it, uh, or like when you had wood shop or metal shop. My project, like guys would be done a project in two classes, and I'd be working on mine for like the entire term. So, but as as people around me say, people that love me say to me, it's okay. When they want a uh, when they want uh, a commercial done or a game called, they don't call a guy that fixes fences. So yes. they have people that do that. E, if you can't do it, then make a call to the bullpen, and there's there's somebody that that is paid to do that. So like, oh, absolutely. And listen, I that's have the line nothing. always. That oh, totally. I used to hear the line all the time. Hey man, when they want a room painted, they don't call a radio guy. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Okay. And I have nothing but the utmost respect for anybody. So that, do I. I mean, oh. anybody that has any kind of skill of any sort of trade. I mean, listen, I have the utmost respect for folks that are, whether it's, it's, it's you know, people that do, work in woodworking and electricians and plumbers and any. I mean, listen, I respect anybody in any walk of life because you're bang on, Jonesy. Like, listen, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a plumber. I'm not a handyman. I'm not a, I'm not a contractor. I, hey, this is what I do. I broadcast period and yeah. not a whole lot of lifting involved in this um i just hope that the fence is still standing in a couple of hours but i'll i'll keep that out of my mind for now um listen looking for a segue here and i don't want to start doomsday necessarily but i hope that the i hope that the league is still standing and that the the fan base is still standing and that everything is okay the way we navigate through these next couple of weeks because certainly yesterday again at least in ontario uh and and in canada um you know things are 
not looking great based on uh, the projections that were being given by uh, the scientists, by the doctors, by the government, et cetera, in terms of the rising numbers. And thus, Jonesy, and the reason, of course, I'm bringing that up on this station and on this show is the impact specifically on the Toronto Raptors, Toronto Maple Leafs, and at least as far as we are concerned specifically, selfishly speaking, the Toronto Raptors with now 50% capacity at Scotiabank Arena starting Saturday against the Golden State Warriors. Um, you and I, we've talked about before, are both season seat holders as well, so we are impacted in that sense, uh, much like many other people that are scratching their heads right now going, so how do we decide who gets to go on Saturday against Golden State and who gets to go on Monday against the awful Magic? Um, that's the least of the concerns right now as we try to navigate through the pandemic and through the rising numbers, and yet the rest of the league stateside is doing really nothing at this point aside from just continuing to test and amp up testing and protocols and, you know, keeping fingers crossed, but buildings will be full, et cetera. It's just kind of crazy times again. And as we said yesterday, in many ways, a lot of people feel like it's almost like March 2020 again. It's got that kind of vibe to it at this moment. And we might have lost Jonesy. Maybe the wind blew him away. Sorry. No, no, no. So, uh, I'm here. Yes. I'm here. Okay. Um, it, uh, the people at Maple Leaf Sports have a really difficult job. Absolutely. Like, you, you just said it. How do you decide which half of the building gets filled to see Steph Curry? Especially when, let's face it, I mean, you and I, it, it's only one game for Golden State. But you know what? Hopefully by the time things roll around when the Lakers come to town, it's a full building. And we have our seats for that. I mean, you and I have a good seat, but our people, you know, kids, parents, spouses, what, like they, they'll, they'll get to see another game. What about the person that has, the schedule came out in August, saved their money, and is going to take a family of four to sit in the 300 level fifth row from the top and it's a special treat around christmas and and you know holiday time and and now they they get they're not coming to another game they're not coming to the laker game heck they're not coming to the orlando game or the next detroit game or and they get they get shut out like that like that's that's tough man that's really tough it's 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 right right in line with Oh, I bought tickets to see, you know, uh, LeBron James, or I bought tickets to see Kawhi Leonard. Oh, sorry, that's uh, just a load management game. It's tough, man. It's really, really tough. It's really difficult. And I, I, I can't say that I'm upset at Toronto Public Health and what the province is doing on the other side because the case, the case count is as high as it's been since this thing started, it, it feels like we're we're two years ago. I mean, we're, it feels like we're March of 2020 with the cases and the way things are going, and and so they're doing their best too. It's just it's just a difficult situation right now. It really, really is. Listen, uh, to, to your point, Jonesy, difficult situation for everybody, and, and it, it almost speaks to what we talked about off the uh, off the top in terms of having respect for everybody and, and what they do and what their skill set is and expertise and everything else. I will say this, with no political allegiance one way or the other, just a simple statement on, on human life and, and humankind. Whoever the politician is, whoever the scientist is, whoever the doctor is, whoever the leader is, whoever, whoever it is, period, period, 
You think they don't want to spend time with family? You think they don't want this thing over? You think they don't want to not be dealing with restrictions or lockdowns or vax or no vax or double vax or triple vax or booster or unvax? Or, like, everybody wants to be done with this. Everybody does. So that's all I will say. I'll leave it at that. Everybody wants to be done with it. Nobody wants to be dealing with this stuff. And um, everybody's got at least a significant other, if not a hundred significant others and friends and family and whatever that they want to see or haven't seen or need to see more of, etc. So we're all kind of in the same boat there. So put all your other political stuff aside and, and either your, your support or your angst, your animosity, your love, whatever it is, put it all aside because everybody has at least a somebody that they would like to be with or spend more time with or see or has been impacted, etc. And I'll just leave it at that. And, and I, I do not envy... Like, if I find out that on Saturday that I don't have tickets to the game and I thought I had tickets for the game, and to your point, I spent hundreds of dollars, maybe even thousands of dollars, maybe even I'm, I'm coming in from East Coast, West Coast, stateside. I've spent money on, on flights. Maybe I've spent money on hotels or rental yeah. cars. And yeah. then suddenly I find out I don't have tickets. Are you kidding me? I'd be super pissed. But... There's also at least a part of me that would say, well, what are you going to do? I mean, I understand it, I guess. I don't like it. I don't have to like it, but I at least understand it. And then what happens if I don't get the Golden State game and I don't get the Laker game? Like, how are you making those decisions on somebody that, like, ends up getting uh, Orlando and Oklahoma City? I know they've already come and gone. But you know what I mean? I, I, I do not envy what the ticketing folks are doing right now. Hopefully it's something that only lasts for a few weeks or a month or something, so it only impacts eight or ten games, not the entire rest of the schedule. But what a nightmare right now because then it's just not just the tickets. It's reimbursing people and then people that have sold in the uh, secondary market. So now I, get, I assume Ticketmaster will have to refund those people and then credit the season seat holders' account or so. I don't know. I, I, I can't even begin to explain again. That's more stuff I don't know. I don't know how to hammer a nail into a wall or a fence post. I don't know about ticketing and refunds and anything else either. It's going to be a total gong show. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's just a difficult time. It, just, it, it really is. It's just a difficult time. And, uh, you know, you, you just hope that everybody can be understanding, exercise patience, and try to, you know, not let things uh, spiral out of control because it can very easily get to that. And, uh, you know, just when we thought we were getting it under control with vaccines and, you know, boosters and uh, case counts and, and numbers were going down and not that you still weren't fighting people that didn't want to get vaccines and, and had their other, you know, a differing point of view, um, and, and you respect that, but now what's thrown into the mix now is, is really, it, it's really difficult because there can be a lot of finger pointing. So I'm just hoping that everybody will be able to work past that, respect everybody, and uh, no matter what side of the fence you stand on, Sorry, Ian, the fence. I hope the fence is still up. But... I know that wasn't even intentional. I know <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, no. Um, can, you, can you peek out the back window during the a commercial here and make sure that it's okay when we take our break down the, down the uh, bottom of the Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll okay. run over and check. I, I was going to say, no matter what, what side of the fence you stand on, just agree to try and do your best for, you know, the greater good. That's, it was always, 
it was always the toughest thing when I was in a school too as a principal you know a parent would say something and yeah but this is the way it is at home I'm like yeah I get that but this isn't home and there's like there's like 795 kids here like I can't I can't do that you know yeah. I can't yeah. I can't do that and I just I understand where you're coming from but just respect the position I'm in and I think that's what we need to get to um, all right, on the court last night, on the court, 11 games in the association. Raptors uh, did not play after the back-to-back on Monday, Tuesday. Uh, they've fallen out of the playoff picture for now uh, as they were tied the other night with the Boston Celtics, but uh, the Celts now occupying that 10 spot, so at least in the play-in tournament right now. Again, tons of games to go, but we start looking at the standings a little bit more as we are pretty much a third of the way into the season now. And what jumps off the page at me Yes, I know the Lakers had a dramatic victory over the Dallas Mavericks in overtime. That was fine and good. Certainly there was a thrilling, thrilling finish with the Pelicans and the Thunder. But those are two bad teams right now. I don't even know if we need to highlight that. I keep looking down, and I know they only played the lowly Houston Rockets, but the Cleveland Cavaliers won last night by 35 points. They are the four seed now in the Eastern Conference ahead of the Heat at 18-12. and They've won five in a row, and nobody, I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're in the Cleveland Cavaliers front office, you did not see the Cavs being the fourth seed a third of the way through this season. They're, they're legit. They are legit. This is not a, oh, wait till things settle down and they come back to earth. And as my late father used to say when he came to a game and I played really well and, you know, we were... On the, I, I saw him before the game ended. Uh, he says, "Good game, man." I said, "Thanks." He goes, "I don't, I can't tell if the drugs wore off or they just kicked in." Um, but um, this is not, this is not a fluke with the Cavs. It's not a matter of the drugs kicking in or wearing off. This is, uh, they're legit. They have a style of play, and it's something you and I talked about, E. And it's something I, you know, walking down the hall with J.B. Bickerstaff, uh, whose dad Bernie is an old school lifer in this game with everybody trying to play oh we're firing threes and we're gonna you know we're gonna we're, we're gonna chuck from way out and we're gonna play the you know we're, we're gonna play the 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 analytics way and and he's kind of gone back and and started to play it a little bit differently and I, I I've always said the pendulum swings I'm not saying everybody's gonna play that way because you need the personnel but I mean you look at Cleveland with uh, you know the two, uh, you know the, the two big guys up front, uh, and then even their other forward is a big guy in Markkanen. But you know they're playing a certain way. Uh, they're not they're not necessarily playing, um, you know the the new age NBA. When you look at their defense, you know I, I know that for a fact that you know talking to people. Hey, if you get beat on the perimeter in Cleveland, do your best to scramble and gauge the guy. But don't worry, between Evan Mobley and Jared Allen back there, we might be able to take care of that for you. So um, it, it's 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 they're playing a different way. Give JB Bickerstaff credit, and they're being successful at it. That's all you can say. Yeah, I'm 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 beyond impressed with what they're doing. And and hey, you brought it up the other day. Uh, it's one of those games, too, where you look back for the Raptors. A, a game early in the season against the Cavs may have been, quote-unquote, easier than a game that comes later in the season when they're rolling. And the Raptors led in that game against the Cavs for 47 minutes and 30 seconds and ended up losing 
uh, to Cleveland. Um, that's a game that, you know, when the dust settles at the end of the year, and I know it sounds cliche, but it's legit, Jonesy. We've talked about it so many times. Games in, in October, November matter just as much as games in March and April, and that might be one of those ones you come back that bites you, especially if things stay tight in the standings. Nevertheless, it is what it is. It happened. Raptors lost that one, and they've had a few of those games now where you think about the Pistons and the Thunder and the Cavs and even the other night an undermanned Brooklyn team with only eight players. Raptors have already, you know, they started to pile up a few of those games where you say woulda, coulda, shoulda, and those will matter if you continue to kind of hover a game or two above or below 500 and things stay as sort of tight as they are in the Eastern Conference. And why do I say as tight as they are? Take a look at what right is happening right now. And again, there's still lots of basketball to go, but in the East specifically, I'm dealing with the East because of the, the, the Toronto Raptors. The Charlotte Hornets are the sixth seed. And of course, the sixth seed matter because that's a guaranteed spot. They're only 16 and 14. They're yeah. only two games ahead of the Raptors, and there's only one game separating in the loss column. They've got 14 losses already as well. They've played 30 games. The Raptors have played 28. I mean, that's from six down to 11. There's only three games separating to all the way to 12, and even if you want to include the end of Pacers, four games, and the Pacers are six below 500. You get on a bit of a hot streak, you've got a chance to really move up and move up in a hurry, excuse me, but it means obviously having to leapfrog a lot of teams, and that's what makes that play-in tournament now so interesting when you start trying to read the tea leaves of what might happen over the course of 10, 20, 30 games in an NBA season. E, e, look at, uh, I'm looking at the standings, and I'm also looking at what we talked about in the way people are playing around the three-point shot. Uh, in the East... The teams that are in the bottom half of the league in three-point field goals attempted are uh, Boston, Miami, and that are, are, are in the mix. Toronto, Atlanta, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Washington, and Chicago. All in the bottom half of the league in terms of three-point field goals attempted. Hmm. Tells me that maybe it's swinging a little bit. Everybody's talking about the mid-range being a bad shot. May not be as bad a shot because guys are taking something and coaches are ascribing and espousing the philosophy that, hey, man, take what you can make. Because we've always said this. There's a lot of bad... Oh, you know, it's open. I'll take it. It's a three. I'm open. It's the way the, the game is going today. Yeah, but, man, you could take 15 of those, and you're not going to make one. So don't take them. You know, there's a, yeah. the old adage. There's a reason why. I was open, coach. Yeah, there's a reason why you're open. They don't think you can make it, so go ahead and give them the ball back. And I, I just wonder if – I'm not saying it's going to totally swing back to, like, the 90s where we're pounding it inside on every play, but I think teams are being a little bit more – you know, discreet with their, their three-point shooting. The good teams are still going to do it. Golden State's third in three-point attempts. They're, 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 they're still going to do it. And then, you know, you've got some of the other teams that are not great teams trying to make up the deficit by shooting three-pointers. Orlando, OKC, Houston, uh, all in the top ten in three-pointers attempted. So just yeah. just a, a few rambling observations from a guy that um, played when everything was worth two. It didn't matter if you hit it from center or right under the bucket. 
No, I, listen, listen, I, I, I hear you. The, the, the weapon that, that it has become. Um, and and circle back to, to where we started, even talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers and a team that maybe, you know, isn't using the three ball as much as a weapon and certainly leaning on, uh, you know, a lot of the bigs that they have and playing, you know, we say non-traditional based on what the new tradition seems to yes. be, the new norm seems to be. Um, you know, is that something that they can continue to keep up with? And at some point... And you talked about this yesterday, Jonesy. I don't know if it was when you, we were chatting with Howard Becker, who it was, if we ever see a turn. And that's why I brought up the idea of, of Steph Curry as much even more so being a generational-type guy than LeBron James because of the way he has changed the game in the sense that he's put the focus that much more on the three-point shot and not just standing at the line, pulling up from 25, 28, 30 feet. You've got to guard a guy now the minute he steps over center court because Dame or Steph <laughs> – or even Freddie, somebody might pull up, right? You got to guard. You got to guard the guy the minute he gets off the bus. Like yeah. the, minute he, the minute he gets out of his hotel room, like crazy. So we are scheduled to be joined by one of the all-time greats in Raptor history, on the floor and off the floor, Charles Oakley. Uh, we're trying to track him down right now. Mark Boffel, our producer, chatted with Oak yesterday, and Oak said, yep, want to come on the show and, and chat with Jonesy and, and Eric, and, and he wants to talk about his show, chopping it up with Charles Oakley. So if you haven't seen Chopping It Up with Oakley, go on YouTube. Don't do it right now. Keep listening to the show, but mark it down for later. Chopping It Up with Oakley, where he cooks and conducts an interview while he's cooking as well. Steve Smith, Scottie Pippen, uh, you know, Dominique Wilkins, T.I., many others. Uh, there's one season thus far of the show, and, and hopefully it's a, a show that sticks around for a while as well. It's, it's much like, uh, you know, Serge Ibaka, uh, had with how hungry are you where he cooks and, and talks with somebody and whatever similar type setup but chopping it up with oak so we're hoping to chop it up with oak on our show today having a little bit of trouble tracking him down so we'll hopefully uh, get him on uh before the top of the hour but he's a guy jonesy when you talk about old school versus new school be interesting to see charles oakley in today's game because as much as people talk about him as an enforcer and as a tough guy i recall a guy too that had pretty soft hands in terms of the way that he moved the ball and found guys, and also the ability to knock it down in the mid-range and a reliable jump shooter as well. Yeah, um, and and you know he was a guy that uh, that had no um, delusions about his role and what his job was. And he rebounded, you know. He he was a he was a a good defender, uh, a willing defender. Uh, he rebounded, and he had no, like I said, no clouded vision of what his role was. I remember when, you know, the Raptors were starting to make their run, and he would say, Tracy, Tracy and Vince are the lead singers. We're the backup band, you know, mm-hmm. and he would talk about it. Me, Tone, D. Brown, Dell, you know, we're the backup band. And, you know, think about it. When you have a, a good group, there's a dude on the drums or on the bass or, you know, some some woman on the keyboard that's like that's that's jamming with you. Their heads back there and they're moving and they're right in sync. And I mean, that's that's playing your role on a team. And Oak Oak was always one of those guys that could do that wherever he went. He did it in Chicago. He did it in New York. He did it in Toronto. Uh, he 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 he's one of those guys. He's uh, you know my my analogy comparison would be a guy that you go to the park. And he's not a star, but he's going to set screens. He's going to rebound. He's going to score for you. He wants to win and stay on the court because there's 
45 dudes waiting. And if you lose a game on at the park, you don't play for another hour. And Oak is a guy that you would, to me, it always comes back to that. It always comes back to that. Are you willing to do what is necessary to win? If there was no money involved and we were at the park and we were playing to seven and it was one o'clock and you wanted to play and hold the court till like three or 3.30 and not lose, who are you picking? And if you're not a guy that I'm going to pick, then I don't want you there and I don't want you on my NBA team either. Yeah. You want somebody that's going to do everything, right? Yeah. You can't have a one-trick pony. You got, and listen, again, maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm getting too philosophical today, Jonesy. That, that to me is life as well, right? You don't that want one-trick pony. That fence has done it to you, huh? It, well, listen, I mean, listen, <laughs> I, as much as we talked off the top, as much as we talked off the top about not being able to do certain things and, and knowing what your role is, hey, within your role, though, within your job, within your industry, whatever it is, whether you're you know, doing fence posts or whether you're a doctor, or whether you're, you know, working at a at a grocery store, or you're a broadcaster, or you're a basketball player, then within that role, you got to be able to do a bunch of little things, right? You want those yeah. Swiss Army knives. You don't just want that one trick pony in the office. You want somebody that is able to do multiple things. And that, hey, look at our industry, right? How how important is it to have somebody that has worked in front of the camera, behind the camera, or on the mic, behind the mic, and done a bunch of different roles to know what it takes, what it's like to, to say, hey, I did your job. I understand and appreciate and respect what you do. And it's not about how much you make or, or how many years of service you got. I know you're a key cog in all of this. And listen, for us, in our, in our role right now, we couldn't do this, and we'd be completely lost if it weren't for... Lance Kennedy and Mark Boffo on our yep. show, right? It's a yep. group effort, and that's what you want is guys that can all pull in the right direction. And Oak was clearly one of those guys that was always pulling in the right direction and willing to do whatever it took to get the job done. You need me to defend. You need me to score. You need me to rebound. You need me to be an enforcer. You need me to be a, a, a vocal leader. You need me to, to pull a guy behind the, you know, on the ears and drag him along. I'll do whatever it takes because, to your point, I just want to win. Period. Well, and, and you know, that you talked about uh, life, too. There's a lot of that that goes on behind the scenes with our guy, Charles Oakley, that people didn't know either. Like, you know, he would take his suits and when he was done and, and you know, wear them like two times. Then if he big guys in college that didn't have, you know, the look or the clothing, Oak would be like, hey, man, let's go take him shopping and, you know, you know, give them hand me downs if he needed to or whatever. He was. You know, he, he uh, you know, I, I watched his generosity in the locker room. I mean, it was, uh, for the folks that don't know, there was a time when we used to be able to go into the locker room and hang out. And oftentimes I'd, I'd be the last one or second to last one in there with him just kind of chatting after he's done his interviews. And, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd call one of the ball boys and say, hey, man, uh, give him a $100 bill and say, hey, man, go get me some chicken wings and so-and-so and so-and-so. And so. And the kid would come back with, you know, like a, an $8 box of chicken wings or whatever, and Oak would, and he'd have the change, and Oak said, no, nah, man, that's you, go ahead. And I've watched him peel off, you know, $100 bills and leave them on top of his locker so when they clean it out, the kids would, uh, they would find that. Like, you know, he's, he's uh, hey, man, he's a good human being. He's a good basketball player, but, you know, he's a good person too. So uh, I, I know that our guys are trying to track, track him down at some point. We'll be able to talk to him about all this. 
Well, listen, hopefully we get him today. Hopefully before we, before we uh, get him before the top of the hour. Uh, but if not, we'll endeavor to, to track him down at some point today. Or, uh, you know, maybe it's going to have to end up getting pushed to tomorrow. But we shall see. Uh, such is life in, in today's day and age. Who knows? Something popped up with Oak. And, and, you know, he agreed to do the show yesterday. And, and maybe something came up with him this morning. So we will endeavor to try and track him down. But when we continue on Smith & Jones, another former NBA player and a solid player in his own right, uh, he can hear him on Sirius XM Satellite Radio and uh, on the Phoenix Suns broadcast as well. Uh, we will speak with Eddie Johnson when we continue on Smith & Jones. Back on Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. It's an off day for the Toronto Raptors as they were scheduled to play the Chicago Bulls, but uh, due to the COVID outbreak on the Bulls roster, Raptors and Bulls were postponed. Still no makeup date for that game. And uh, I don't know if they're going to try and play two next week in Chicago and the Raptors are scheduled to head to the uh, Windy City or if it'll be something that happens later on in the year. But uh, again, that's a, a moot point right now as we try and move past uh, tonight's uh, originally scheduled ball game and look ahead to Saturday when the Golden State Warriors uh, come to town and uh, 50% capacity at Scotiabank Arena. And again, if you had or have tickets for that game, uh, the Raptors did say yesterday, Jonesy, that they're looking to uh, make an announcement and have information to everybody at some point today. I mean, the note came out yesterday. They said within the next 24 hours. So at some point today, word will come down. And I don't know what that word's going to be and how they're going to handle it. But uh, obviously people working feverishly and I'm sure probably through the night last night trying to figure this all out and it's happening on the hockey side as well just trying to navigate through a major pivot midway through the season on a, a lot of games especially like Saturday night that would have been sold out oh yeah uh, it's tough uh, I just I just don't envy those people and no matter what they do um, there are going to be people unhappy like no matter what they do they are going to be people unhappy um, so just understand the difficulty of the job and and uh, you can be unhappy, but don't take it out on them. There's not, there's, there's, you know, uh, it's a lose-lose proposition. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not looking forward to that. All right, joining us on the line right now, Jonesy. As we uh, pivot a little bit here, we're we're uh, trying to figure out. Um, what might become of the Raptors uh, on Saturday night and tickets and everything else, but we certainly know what has become of the Phoenix Suns over the course of this season. They have been absolutely outstanding, sitting at 22-5 and five entering action tonight. A two-dog race in the Western Conference. It's just been absolutely crazy watching what the Suns are doing in a beyond impressive return to this season after the appearance in the finals last year. And to talk about the Suns and a whole lot more, uh, longtime NBA or Suns analyst from SiriusXM Satellite Radio as well, Eddie Johnson. Eddie, thanks for the time today. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Hey, DJ, Eddie, how you when, doing? When I... I'm good. I'm good. Happy Eddie, holidays. when I look at – yeah, happy holidays to you as well, Eddie. When, when I look at this team, and Jonesy and I were chatting about this yesterday, Eddie um, – you're a lot closer to the situation, so you can probably say, man, I knew, and, and you, were, you were underselling them, or, or, or you can say, I told you so. I thought the Suns would come back this year and be good, but I didn't think they'd be this good. And I am beyond impressed with they have just continued to roll and take that momentum from last year. And, Eddie, how much of that speaks to not just the talent on the roster, but much like we discussed even in Toronto after the championship season, the, the rub of that experience 
and going on a deep run. And even though you didn't win the title, to have been there and to now know, especially with some of the younger players, to know what it takes to get there and to appreciate then every little step of the way, including the regular season and how important all these steps are. Well, I think, you know, mentally they they felt that uh, after Milwaukee came back and, and won four straight, that, yeah, it was a little bit of Giannis, but it was a lot of bit of them being nicked up. And they're not going to make excuses because, you know, the Lakers were nicked up when they beat them. Denver was nicked up when they beat them, right? The Clippers didn't have Kawhi when they beat them. So they're not going to make excuses about it. But they know. Uh, after game two, when they went up 2-0 on Milwaukee, Devin, uh, you know, he strained his hamstring. He's playing on one leg, and Chris Paul was playing with one arm. Uh, so he had hurt his, his wrist in the Clippers series. And so when people were seeing him lose the basketball against Milwaukee in game three, and, and they were seeing him make these uncharacteristic mistakes, they never really thought that it was because that, you know, his wrist was, you know, it had to be surgically repaired when the season was over. So I think, you know, when they went to the off season, they said to themselves, look, we had them down 2-0. We probably, we should have won that series, but we were compromised. And I think they came into this year with that mindset, not saying, oh, they dominated us. We don't know if we can run it back. Uh, the confidence was shaken. I think they came in saying, if we're healthy, then we can continue to do what we're doing. And that's exactly what you're seeing right now. And they have not wavered. Eddie, uh, you know, as as a historian, when you guys went up 2 nothing in the finals, I was like, man, throw your money on the table, slam it down, it's over. Like, there are very few comebacks from 2-0 uh, in the finals. I mean, we've only had one ever 3-1 comeback, but... 2-0 comebacks aren't aren't that that prevalent or frequent either, and I, I I was I was you know for the Suns and for for Monty and for you know a lot of the guys Chris Paul especially on that team I was I was a little bit disappointed that he didn't get something to cement his legacy. But I've heard you talk about it. Uh, I, I know we're the same vintage. I've been watching the game a long time. Is Chris Paul not one of the top five? maybe 10 leaders you have ever seen in the history of this game? Without a doubt, uh, you know, and, and I won't disrespect the, the past leaders, so it's just hard to, like, say, okay, he's top five or, or you know, he's in, the, he's in the top ten. I truly believe he's top ten. Yeah. Uh, and he could be higher uh, than that. It, it, look, that, you know, my eyesight on him when he was with the Clippers, I wasn't privy to a lot of things that was going on, but it, it kind of looked like, you know, he had some issues that he needed to shore up as a leader. Uh, and then, you know, in Houston, they ran into it as well. But now that I've gotten a good light on him here with the Suns, and I got a chance to really see him operate in Oklahoma City and didn't pout when he went there and how he led them, uh, you know, to the playoffs had a chance, to, I think, to beat the Rockets uh, in a series, then my mindset changed. And then have the opportunity to watch him here over the last two years. Now I see what a lot of people were telling me along the way. And people that were very close to the situation, uh, assistant coaches that were there in, in L.A. And they would always tell me, they said, look, man, this is not Chris' fault. 
We have to make him shoot more. Those guys aren't listening to him. They're fighting them. You know, and, and so I was like, oh, okay. And then when I heard what went on in Houston, you know, with James Harden wanted them there, but then he didn't want to share the ball with them. He didn't want to give him the ball and let him conduct and help him win. Uh, he still wanted the ball in his hands. And over the last two years, I've seen two teams, Oklahoma City and the Suns, give in to everything, allow him to be Chris, allow him to be a leader, uh, trust him. And look what's happened. So, I mean, he, he, wanted to, he definitely, he and LeBron are two of the best leaders with the ball in their hands in this league. And they manipulate the game, man. I mean, they like Chris Paul. I've probably seen him run an all-out sprint maybe four times this year. Mm-hmm. That's then that's the truth. I mean, it's like he just manipulates the game. And uh, the other night against Portland, it was just pretty obvious how he dissected them and how he stood head and shoulders above Damian Lillard. I mean, Damian Lillard was peppering away at three, missing, missing, not sharing the ball with his teammates who actually got him back in the game in the third quarter. And Chris Paul continuously passing, 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 trusting, trusting. And then in the fourth quarter, when he developed all that trust and Portland was too afraid to leave the guys that he was peppering them with, all of a sudden he takes over the game. And he's scoring. I mean, it's just he he's a mad scientist, man, and it's just a pleasure watching him play. You know, Eddie, I, I'm listening to you break down Chris Paul, and you just touched on it a little bit maybe when you, you simply said Phoenix is allowing Chris Paul to be Chris Paul. But why do you think he bounced around then for a couple seasons, from the Clips to the Rockets to the Thunder to the Suns? I mean, how did the other teams not appreciate what he was and allow him to be this, which you just discussed and broke down for us? Well, in L.A., you got to think about it. In L.A., Blake Griffin was number one pick. DeAndre Jordan at that one point in time, was I think he was a second-round pick, but, but at that point in time, he was viewed as one of the best centers in the league. He was viewed as one of the best defenders in the league at center. And sometimes, man, you can't get over what you think of yourself for the good of the team. And they push back. And those two are, what I understand, push back as a duo against him. And so that's hard to overcome. It truly is. It's hard to overcome. And so you're going to get that combustion. And then it goes to the guy that's on the bench. If, if, if he, who is he siding with? You know, is he siding with Chris Paul or is he making excuses for Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan? Well, I've heard it both ways with Doc. So when you, when you have that situation, then I don't care if you're on a basketball team, you're in a company. You know, and you're trying to run a company. You're going to have issues. So that's what, to me, that's what happened. And then, obviously, in Houston, you had James Harden, who he wanted help, but he wanted help his way. Yeah. So he wanted to keep doing it his way. And, and look, we know Chris Paul is one of the best mid-range game players in this league. And yet, in Houston, they took 27. They went 0 for 27 against the Golden State Warriors from three and refuse to take another kind of shot. That ain't Chris Paul, because Chris Paul don't shoot threes. So that's not his philosophy. So I just just think it was a matter of them wanting him, but not allowing him to dominate like he wanted to. And then that's why it didn't work. 
Eddie, Eddie, you've given me all kinds of stuff to try and unpack here. I need an hour with you, brother, but um, <laughs> but but I'll, I'll take a couple of them. Um, and I look at and Eric and I were talking about it before you came on, and you know, just it, 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 I always say it's like cooking chicken. There's a lot of bad cook. Just because you don't cook your chicken like me doesn't mean it's 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 any different or mine is better than yours. But there's a lot of people taking the three ball that shouldn't be taking the three ball. I mean, back in the day, I was talking with Damon Stoudemire about this when the Celtics rolled in. He said he would have had his shorts stapled to the bench under Brendan Malone if he was taking those shots. And I look at the Suns. You talk about Chris Paul not taking the threes in the mid-range game and how he orchestrates things. The Suns are 27th in three-point attempts, which tells me they're not, they're not just firing them indiscriminately. And, and I want you to talk a little bit about the way they're playing, especially with Monty coaching and Chris Paul. And then when you talked about leadership, LeBron, you gave him that, that, you know, that accolade as a great leader. What's going on in terms of the leadership in L.A.? There are two separate things there, Eddie, but they both came into my head when you talked about leadership and fighting leadership. I'm wondering what's going on in L.A., and then I look at the way the Suns are playing with the three-point shot or sometimes lack of it, and how successful they are still. Yeah, well, I'll hit on the Suns' three-point. Look, they just play. They, You know, look, back when we played the game, man, the way I was taught the game, you, you play the game and you take what's given you. Yes. You don't force it. And, and so that, that's the easiest way for me to counter analytics. It's like, you know, you can sit, sit there all day and tell me three is worth more than two. But two twos is worth more than one brick three. I mean, so, I mean, anytime you say that to me, I got a retort. And and the other thing is, you know, you gain confidence by seeing that ball go through the rim. I don't care how it gets in the rim. Whether you attack the basket, you get to the free throw line, you run for layups. You know, in today's game, a lot of these guys run for threes. And then they're trying to figure out why they struggle. Like, Dane Lillard is known as this tremendous shooter, and I've never put him up there as a tremendous shooter. I've never done that. You know, and now we're seeing it. We're seeing him struggle. I mean, his last six games, man, I mean, he is shooting 17 for 60 from three, and he's also shooting poorly from two. Go figure, you know. So, I mean, it, it, it's it's that reliance on a on a home run. It's like if you play baseball, you go up there and want to hit a home run all day. Well, you're not going to hit a good you're not going to hit a good percentage, right? I mean, your average is going to be very low because you're always trying to hit the ball as hard as you can. And I, I just always felt like just take what is given and you'll be fine. But in today's game, it's not that way. Analytics to me is is the biggest negative to hit this league. It is a good stat. It is a good. Uh, I guess, a prediction on how you're playing or an assumption of how you're playing. But to say that that's what you need to do, you know, all the time, to me it doesn't bring confidence, man. And analytic people don't like me. I don't care. I don't care. They can go back in the cubicle where they always are anyway. Because <laughs> they're not looking at the game. They're not looking at the game. How you look at the game with your head down looking at numbers? So that's my take with them. But good for them that they've been able to get in the league, that they've been able to, you know, create, you know, uh, a part of, of what they believe in in the league. And so I give them credit for that, and I give them respect for that. 
but I don't have to agree with what they do and how they think. And with the Lakers, look, LeBron's been hurt most of the year. That's why they're losing. I tell people all the time, they're like, you know, well, they're, 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 you know, they put this team together and they got these all-time greats and all that. But they don't have their leader. And he hasn't been there. And I think you guys know. I mean, you're on the East Coast. You've watched him in Cleveland. LeBron is rarely engaged at a high level, probably maybe since he got back from Miami, probably, where he's engaged early in the season. It's like he navigates the season to get to the finals. He did it in Cleveland, where Cleveland wasn't having a great record, but they got home court, and they were still in the finals every year. So he's done that all the time because that's how he's lasted this long, even his 19th year. He's not going to come out and try to run and sprint early in the season. But you know who he expected to do that for him? Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. And he's not doing it. He's not, that's, why he, that's why he hooked up with him, because he needed somebody to carry him through those times, right? Then he'll turn it on, and he'll win games for you. And Anthony Davis has not done it. He's put up some numbers, but to me, they're, they're not all-time great numbers that we expected from him. And I think that's part of their issue. It's not on Russ. Everybody want to blame Russ. Russ is Russ. Like, every team has a guy that's a little bit maybe out of control, but he plays 100 miles an hour. He plays hard. you you got to live with his mistakes. See, everybody want to put it on Russ. No, no, it's Anthony Davis all day long. Because if Anthony Davis is playing like he's capable of playing, yeah, Russ will have mistakes, but they won't be magnified to the point of losses. And I think that's, that's the issue with them right now. But, again, they're wrapping it up, man. Like I said, I don't want to see them come playoff time. I don't care what anybody say. Yeah. I don't want to see them. Speaking with Eddie Johnson, co-host of NBA Today on Sirius XM NBA Radio, Phoenix Suns analyst as well, 17-year NBA vet. Eddie, a um, couple of minutes left with you here. I, I wanted to ask you a lot of based on what you were just talking about too, the, the eye test. When you're watching games right now, whether it's on TV, in person, or otherwise, when you're watching games right now, we're at the, you know, basically a third of the way into the season. It seems like it's a two-dog race right now for the MVP between KD and Steph Curry. Is there somebody else in that race that we're not talking about that we should be? Who are you keeping your eye closest on right now? Well, I mean, look, I mean, you know, everybody want to put their top five and all of that, and that's fine if they want to do that. Uh, but it's obviously those two. Uh, and I think, you know, and I'm a guy that really, you know, I look to win. And I don't want to hear excuses. I mean, how many times LeBron probably could have won MVP, but people say, oh, well, you know that they didn't. Their record wasn't as pristine, and and that guy had a better record. You know, but now all of a sudden with Jokic, it's like, yeah, he's MVP, and I'm like, hold up, they're they're not even they're, what they're eight five hundred. They're an eighth. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like, hold up now. Look, when, when LeBron was not winning as much, but he's putting up crazy numbers, he doesn't deserve the MVP. But now when Jokic is is, is is putting up crazy numbers, and they're losing, he's still in the running. I'm like, how does that work? I'm like, I understand he does is dealing with a lot of injuries, and, and, I, and I heard that that's happening, okay? But the bottom line is you still got to win a few games. 
I mean, show us that you, as an MVP that you can overcome all odds and at least win some games with your numbers. So, you know, for people that's fighting for him, you know, I'm like, I, you know, I feel sorry for him because he is tremendous. And, and what he does is amazing. But uh, I'm like, I'm not giving into that rhetoric where you can change that rhetoric. The goalpost is moving every year based on you not wanting somebody to get the attention. And, and, and that's how that plays out. Uh, Chris Paul's up there, man. Yes. Uh, he is. Yeah. If, if, if Steph Curry is up there, if, if Steph Curry is up there for MVP, then Chris Paul's up there. Because, I mean, Chris Paul's doing it his way. It's called most valuable player, not the mm-hmm. player with the better stats. Mm-hmm. So, if, so if you're going to put Curry up there, Chris Paul's up there. That's that's how I look at it. You know, because what he's doing, especially Devin Booker's been out, and is still winning. He, yeah. He's not saying, yeah. oh, Devin Booker's not here. So I, I, right now for me, uh, it's those three, and then you can put Jokic five if you want because they can probably turn it around. And then you put Giannis. So, but right now, to me, Kevin Durant's MVP. Because we expected him, we wanted him to go somewhere where he could prove he can lead and carry. He was carried in Golden State. All right? He was carried. But he's carrying in Brooklyn. He is dealing with all kind of things. He's dealing with a James Harden that's not in shape. Okay? And he's dealing with a Kyrie Irving that's a scientist. <laughs> That's what Kyrie is. He's a scientist. I mean, he went to, he went to Duke for one year, and he's a scientist now. now. I didn't know you could get a degree in science in one year. So, I mean, that's what he's dealing with. Okay? And so, you know, and he's carrying them. They got the best record in the East. So, KD, to me, is MVP. Well, Eddie, Eddie, it's interesting because we watched KD – uh, put up a triple-double beating the Raptors the other night, and I know there are a lot of Raptor fans saying, well, they didn't have this guy, and they had seven guys in health and safety protocols. I'm like, hey, man, Kevin Durant could win a game. with just He just needs four other dudes on the court to help a little bit. And, uh, uh, yeah. you know, and I, and I understand you with Chris Paul. I would say this. It's about impact. And to me, again, without all the numbers, it come back, comes back to the eye test, and it's, it's about the impact, and Chris Paul is having a huge impact. EJ, we got to go, man. We got to go, but we need you back. I know it's early out there always. for you getting up, but. Always. Eddie, we appreciate the time, man. All the best. Our if we boy. don't speak before Our the uh, Christmas uh, time, all the best for the holiday season. Take care. All right. You too as well. All right. Take care, guys. Take care, Eddie. There's Eddie Johnson, 17-year NBA vet. Uh, Phoenix Suns TV analyst and co-host of NBA Today on Sirius XM Radio. And by the way, Eric, the fourth leading scorer all time points off the bench. And if I'm not mistaken, too, I believe it's second. It might be third, but I believe it's second all time in points scored in NBA history and have not made an all-star game. Yeah. We're talking about one of the all-time you know, great scorers and a bucket Never made an all-star game in 17 yeah. years. He's uh, He was a good one, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, sure All right, was. we're going to step aside for a moment here. Make sure, folks, you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review as well.